Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. So good to be back. Can you notice I'm wearing my Italian suit? All right, all right. Here's the truth. 2022, coming into Vision Builders, um, Leanne's like, what are you going to wear to Vision Builders? I said, well, you know, obviously suit, Vision Builders, suit. So um, I tried on a few of my suits, and there's just something that happens in a closet. I'm sure your clothes shrink while they're hanging up. It's, It's a law of nature I can't explain. Nothing to do with the Battle of the Bulge. It was, they shrunk. And so I'm like, and so Leah's like, oh, you're going, I'm getting you a new suit. You're going to get a new suit. So she takes me to Naughty Nordstrom's. So the money I spent on one suit in Naughty Nordstrom's, that wasn't even that flattering. It's a custom suit. And they didn't even make it flattering. It's like, why? We get to Italy. I buy five suits. Not custom, but they just custom fit because they got all the half sizes and quarter size and whatever. And five suits cost me less than the one suit I got at Naughty Nordstrom's. So it's just kind of, so I've got to be delicate because, you know, it's a very sensitive area for Pastor Leanne. But my eldest son, my eldest son bought six suits. And uh, so my eldest son and I, we're, we're at the place where we're not going to shop anymore until we go back to Italy. And then we're going to buy all our... <laughs> All our clothing is just so awesome. And they're like a whole fashion cycle ahead. So they're, you know, anyway, so it was amazing. So we had a good time. And uh, one of the lessons that we learned, which was, you know, pretty incredible, is you can be on vacation from, you know, church and San Diego and your city and your family, but you're never on vacation from God. We had the most amazing God moments, the most amazing God experiences you couldn't coordinate. So we um, we were leaving. We wanted to spend the whole month in Italy and... um, Leanne was determined because we had the kids that she wanted them to see where I was born in Germany. And we were arguing and, you know, and so I've learned a few things, Pastor Andre, that if I let her win the argument, it makes everything happy. And so I said, okay, we'll go to Germany. And I'm so glad we did. But um, all of a sudden you get this this text message because I'm banned off on Instagram. I know that shocks you all. But... um, (laughs) But Leanne's still on there. Leanne's still on. And so uh, Pastor Mike Kai from uh, Inspire Church in Hawaii, goes, you know, leaves his voicemail. Bro, bro, are you in Italy? And uh, he goes, we just landed in Venice. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're, we're, we're not far from you. We're... And then he's like, oh, you know, we leave on Monday to go to Germany. We're meant to go to Munich. I said, oh, my gosh. I said, we're going to be in Germany. But we're nowhere near Munich. You know, we're about like four and a half hours drive away. Oh, bro, so close so far. Anyway, he, I didn't tell him where we were. So he sends me this text message going, bro, bro, our Munich thing just got cancelled. We're going to be in this little little town called Constance. Wow. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> and he's like, why? I said, that's where we're going to be. And we just happened to be in Constance at the same night, at the same time. So we went to the Brauhaus and we had schnitzel and beer and we just spent the whole night and it was like it was like it was crazy. I'm with my Hawaiian and they're probably our dearest friends in ministry because we're the same age. Our churches are, you know, similar ages. We have the almost identical heart and philosophy and the, the two of Leanne and I's dearest friends and we're in Germany. Like it was all God. We're just lifting our hands the whole night. The next morning, Leanne gets up and she says, you know, you walk in all these cobblestone streets and they've got all these, you know, literally really cute little boutique, everything. Everything's boutique. Boutique clothing, you know, desserts, patisserie. I mean, you name it. And so Leanne's like, I know that there's a mall. I said, babe, there is, but it's, you know. And so funny, the mall, this half of the mall is in Germany, this half's in Switzerland. The train station, to get on the train, you get on the train in Germany. If you need the restroom, the restroom's in Switzerland. So you have to go to Switzerland to use the restroom. <laughs> anyway, and so it was just funny. It was really funny. It was great. And so, so my kids were just loving it. They're like, hey, I'm in Switzerland. No, I'm back in Germany. I'm in Switzerland. They were loving it. So, um, so we're in the mall, and 
Leanne's like, oh my God, this mall's way better. Like, we gotta go and get the kids. So we're walking back to get the kids and you know, people get hangry. She doesn't get hangry, she needs a caffeine fix. And so, so she's like, where's the, where's the coffee shop? Where's the coffee? And so good husband finds coffee for his wife. So I'm on my phone like, you know, and there was hippo coffee and I'm like, it's got a 4.7 rating, it's really good. So we go in there and say like, no, no, you don't order. You sit down at the table, be calm and we serve you. And I'm like, so 10 minutes later, no one's come and served us. I'm like, well, what's the... So I said, babe, let's go to the place we went to yesterday, North Elf. And uh, she goes, how far is it? I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I have to lie. I have to tell her, it's a short walk. And it is a short walk. If, if you wanted to walk from here to Nepal, compared to that walk, it's a much shorter walk. And, uh, and so I wasn't lying, per se. So 20 minutes later, she's like, I can't believe, why do I... I said, babe, we're almost there. And, and I said, you love the coffee. She goes, oh, yeah. So we, we, we walk in, it's now 10 to 12. So most people have been in and out with a coffee fix. So they had a front door entrance and they had a little side door entrance and the side door entrance was right where you order. And so I could see there was a few people. So I thought I'm gonna jump in there, get straight, order our coffee straight away. She'll get her caffeine fix, she won't be hangry. She'll, anyway, so I jump in. As I, as I stand to order, Leanne's coming around this side, I just hear this, shut up, shut up. No way, no. And I turn and look, and I can't believe it. Of all the places to be at all the time, pastors Phil and Lucinda Dooley, who are the Hillsong Global Pastors, who were in South Africa, we were youth pastors together. In fact, I knew Phil and Lucinda before they even got married when I was in Bible school. And they just happened to be sitting at that cafe in that city at that particular time. We spent the next three and a half hours just kind of pouring into them because, you know, they, if you've been watching the Hillsong thing, you know, they've had to manage a, a crisis and take a lot of the in, angst and anger and, you know, animosity from people and just love people back and kind of hold on to it. And so they, we're laughing one minute, crying the next and praying and prophesying. And, and the next three, it was only God could have, I mean, for us to be in that city, at that time, at that cafe, in that place, in that hour, so we had like God moment after God moment after God moment. So uh, it, yeah, we just had the best time and we got to get some cool suits. So it was amazing. All right, so come with me to the, the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. Today I wanna talk, uh, my message is how to access God's total transformative power. How to access God's total transformative power. Um, how many people know, most people already know that God is powerful. How many people know that? For, for those who, who, who read the Bible even a little bit more, you'll find that not only is God powerful, He is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. So, you know, it's almost like God, He's just vibrating power. But that, that power is, is kind of like ethereal and almost like, you know, hypothetical or relevant if that power doesn't translate to you being able to experience it. Can I just tell you, God did not create man to be distant from him. God created you to walk with him. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God and one day he was no more for God took him. God took him. He, he, he went to heaven without experiencing death. And it's kind of like, you know, I heard a Bible preacher say that Enoch and God were walking and talking and they just got carried away and it was like late in the day and Enoch's like, oh my gosh, I, I better be getting back home. And, uh, and God says, well, why don't you come to my place? <laughs> and he looked, that's your place? Yeah. And he hasn't been back since. And <laughs> God created you not only to walk with him, but God created you to experience his power. Now there is a devil, there is sin. There is wickedness in this world. But I want you to know that Jesus died to break the power of sin. Now, a lot of people, especially if you've had any like Catholic or religious upbringing, you ask most people, why did Jesus come into the world? They say he came to die on the cross for our sins. And that is true, but it's only partly true. That, that, that is true. It's 100% true, but that's not the only reason. Because 1 John 3 verse 8 says, for this reason, Jesus Christ appeared on earth to destroy the works of the devil. So he didn't just come to die for your sin. He also came to destroy the works of the devil. 
So I say all of that to say this, that God is all-powerful. But what a, what a tragedy. And this is, this is why you'll hear us say that we're not into religion here. Religion is all the accoutrements. Religion is all the facade. It's all the, it's all the dogma. It's all the doxology. It's all the, all the external fabricants of, of God, but without the power. The Bible says that in the last days, scoffers will come having a form of godliness, but denying the power. Religion is a substitute for the relationship, the reality, and the connection. Jesus didn't die to start another religion. Jesus died to repair a severed relationship. And he broke the works of the devil so that you and I could experience God in his fullness here on earth. That you could experience his presence. You could experience his forgiveness, his loving kindness, and his power right here, right now. So we're going to jump into this story because... Uh, Dr. Matt has this wonderful saying, how you do anything is how you do everything. How you do anything is how you do everything. Um, God is always God. He doesn't know how to be somebody else. He doesn't know how to turn off the God button. He doesn't have a God button that he turns on and off. He's just God 24-7-365. So every time you read in the Bible, you will see a facet of God that is immutable, that is unchangeable, that, that creates a, a foundation or a, a platform that is dependable, that you can bank on. So everything, so we could pick any story, but I'm just today for time's sake picking this one so come with me mark 10 46 says now they came to jericho as he went out of jericho jesus was going out of jericho with his disciples in a great multitude blind bartimaeus the son of timaeus sat by the road begging and when he heard that it was jesus of nazareth everyone say geography when he heard that it was jesus of nazareth he began to cry out and say jesus Son of David. Everyone say genealogy. genealogy. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, geography, he doesn't cry out, Jesus of Nazareth, geography. He cries out, Jesus, son of David, genealogy. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. The Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah through the line of David. He knew, even though he was blind, he could see that Jesus of Nazareth is the one the scriptures have talked about, have foretold that he would come from the line of the tribe of Judah, specifically from the lineage of David. And he yells out, hey, I know that you were born and raised in Nazareth. but uh, Well, you weren't born there, but you were raised in Nazareth. You were born in Bethlehem. I know that you're from Nazareth, but I know that your, your origin is not from where you were raised. Your origin is you are the son of David. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says, and many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. Throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. So when Jesus answered him and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man, not Bartimaeus, doesn't use his name anymore, says the blind man, said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. There are three things I want to pull out of here today to help you to understand that at Awaken Church, we, we, don't, we don't kind of do the, uh, we give you a, a, a bulletin and in the bulletin there's blanks. Jesus had blank number of disciples, 12, 12. And, and the disciples walked on the road to Emmaus, Emmaus is, and so you get a nice little homily, you get a little, you can put it on the fridge and wow, wasn't that, a, I wouldn't waste your time on a Sunday. What we want to do is we, we understand that there is a God in heaven who is too good, who is too good for you to wait to heaven to experience, that you can actually open your Christmas presents right here, right, you can experience God right here, right now. How do I know that? Because that's what happened to me. 38 years ago on a beach, I met Jesus Christ on a beach, not in church, on a beach. And then he gave me this book and he says, I want you to read this book because it'll show you who you just met. 
And so I knew I met him. I knew he was good. But then as I read this, I'm like, man, you're blowing my, he is awesome. So I want, I want you to experience God. And when you heard beautiful Pastor Shelley speaking about a God of breakthrough and a God who didn't just bring financial breakthrough to her mama, but also made sure that there was eight years of back pay. And then on top of that, on top of that pays off a car loan. And then Pastor Shelley said so brilliantly, and God is no respecter of persons. If he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. But can I tell you, God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. God is holy. God is holy. And so there's, there's a right way and a wrong way to approach God. And if you read your Bible, we don't have time today, you'll find that people have discovered both. And our job is to help you find the right way to approach God so that your life can be totally awesome, so that you can say to people, oh my gosh, you got to meet Jesus. You got to meet God. He is good all the time and all the time. He is good. So let me give you these three quick thoughts. The first one that I need you to understand is that God is a responsive God. God is a responsive God. And I say that because most of the theology that I've heard since coming to San Diego is the, the Calvinistic theology where they will tell you that God is sovereign, that God is sovereign, that, that, that because God is sovereign, everything has been predestined, predetermined, that, that you know, predestination, that God has made this one to go to heaven and this one, no, you, you'll go to hell. This one, heaven, hell, heaven, whether it's, you know, blind or whether it's intention. It's the, the, the deeper you dive into it, the more demonic that theology is. Uh, but, 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 but the truth is that God is sovereign. But let me just throw this out. So are you. You're sovereign. How, how, how am I sovereign? God gave you free will. God gave you free will. I don't believe in free will. I'm a five-point Calvinist. Well, then explain Judgment Day. Explain Judgment Day. If I force my kid to spill the milk and then smack him for spilling the milk, what kind of a wicked parent am I? That's Calvinism. Calvinism says that you don't have free will, that God programmed you to be a murderer and you don't want to murder, and then you stand before him on judgment day, you're a murderer. Well, I, I didn't choose to be. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You're burning in hell for all the time. I mean, but people believe this rubbish. People believe this. So I want you to understand that, 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 that the lie, the lie is that everything is fixed by God that God is predetermined and predestined, that this one will be poor and this one will be middle class and this one will be successful and this one will go through a divorce and this mama's going to be killed by a drunk driver and kids will grow up and this one's going to die of cancer and this one's... Because it brings him... Nothing could be further from the truth. We do live in a fallen world. We do live in a world where sin, sickness, disease... Uh, wickedness run rampant. However, in the middle of that wickedness, in the middle of that darkness, there is a light called the church. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell. Same sentence. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right in the middle of the darkness, right in the middle of the devil's wicked campaign, Jesus plants his church as a beacon in the earth where you can experience God, you can experience the power of God. So I need you to understand that, 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 that there's the, the teaching, and, and we heard this one a, a lot, that, you know, Jesus came for the lost and the poor and the homeless and the broken. So if that was the case, why doesn't this Bible verse, this story read, and as Jesus was leaving Jericho, he said to the disciples, stop, stop, guys. This is why I'm here. Just need to let that settle. Leanne warned me when I told her what I was preaching. <laughs> She's like, babe, babe, you've got to be very, very sensitive. You've got to be very, very delicate. It's not that Jesus does not care. So don't, don't mis, mishear me. It's not that he does not care for the poor. But can I just tell you, when, when we first started our church, Myra, I met another pastor and he's like, oh yeah, you guys have got that church up there in Carmel Valley? I said, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going after the lost. I'm like, What? He goes, yeah, we're going after the lost. Our church is downtown. We're not up in Carmel Valley. We're going after the... Because apparently, if you're from Carmel Valley, you don't even need Jesus. <laughs> no, no, seriously. I'm, ju 
on Judgment Day. Peter's going to be there. Name, name. Okay, yep, Rodriguez looking for it. Um, oh, you didn't, you didn't receive Jesus. Why not? Oh, you're from Carmel. Oh, you're, why do you say so? Come on, yeah, open up. Yeah, they're from Carmel Valley. They're, they're middle class. No, no, they get to come in. No, it's, it's only the poor. It's only the poor who'll go to hell if they don't receive Jesus. Apparently, if you're middle class or upper class, you don't need Jesus. Are you, oh, you, what's your zip code? 9206. Oh, you're from Retro Santa Fe. Why didn't you say? Oh, I'm so sorry. Come on. The rich man living in his mansion and guard-gated community doesn't go to a different hell to the poor person sleeping on his cardboard box. Oh, we're here for the lost. So are we. But we understand when we reach lost people, they've got to come into something that has some... Let me just tell you, Jesus... All right, let me dig, dig down on this. Jesus is not moved by need. Jesus is not moved by need. First commandment is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. Have no other gods before me. Second commandment. Seems redundant. We got the first one. Why the second one? God's like, no, no, it's important. God, we got the first one. Have no other gods. You're in. He's like, okay, I don't want you to make any images. God, like, duh. If we have no other gods, why would we make? He's like, because you have a human propensity to want to recreate me in your image. But that's not how this thing works. I created you in my image because he knows that we'll recreate. And so, so there's, there's a Jesus out there who was just like he just spent his days with the homeless and the lost. And, the, and so really, really, if I was grading God, if Andre and I were going to grade God right now, you know, probably a D minus because, I mean, look at all the homeless and the crime and the brokenness. It's like, hello, God, you may want to get onto it. But I need you to understand that God is not moved by need. He sees need. But have a look what happens at the end of this, this, this chapter. When, 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 when blind Bartimaeus comes to Jesus, Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? And then it says, and the blind man... The blind man said, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. I want you to notice Jesus' words. Jesus did not say, what do you need from me? He says to, to the blind man, he says to Barnabas, what do you want me to do for you? The disciples are like, you serious, Clark? Who's blind here? It's a... Jesus is like, guys, guys, I'm not asking because I don't know. I'm asking because I'm trying to unlock. I know he needs sight, but I'm not moved by need. I'm moved by faith. And faith, faith has an ask. Faith has a want. What do you, Jesus is intentional. What do you want me to do for you? Do you, know, do you know this verse right here? I, 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 I heard, so while we're away, you know, you're, we're away from the work of church, but you're not away from church. You're not away from God. You're not away from ministry. So almost every other day we're listening to a podcast or a preach and we're listening to one and, I, you know, Leanne's much better than me. She's so patient. I get angry. Like I'm wanting to punch holes in the wall because this person's like, you know, in the story of David... And Goliath, that's David's story. That's not your story. So stop inserting yourself into the scriptures because it's not about you. It's about, and Moses' story is all about Moses. Is, and I'm like, oh, will you stop it? Because <laughs> while, while, yes, the Bible captures history, the Bible captures history history hasn't captured the bible and made the bible the bible has captured history 
The Bible is still in on repeat. The Bible says that it is alive and it is living. Solomon in Ecclesiastes said, that which was will certainly come again, and that which is has been before. There is nothing new under the sun. The three elements that are constantly in play is the reality of God, the reality of evil and the devil, and the reality of man's sinful nature. Those three things. And so the different players have come and gone. The different figures of history have come and gone. But you will find as you read your Bible, oh my gosh, I'm facing a Jezebel experience. Right now I'm in a valley of the shadow of death and there's a Goliath wanting to take my head off. But you know what? The same God who was with David is the same God who is with me. And the same God that overcame insurmountable odds is the same God who's going to help me take the head of my Goliath today. But this is terrible theology. So we're listening to this theology. Jesus asked blind, blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you. I know what you need. I know what you need. We live in a world full of needs. You will come into the house of God, every single one of us with needs. But can I tell you, in this house, there's got to be, there's got to be a preaching where you understand that God has positioned himself. This, this, this beggar is called blind Bartimaeus. In other words, his daddy didn't even bother naming him. Jewish historians tell us that Timaeus was blind. And when Timaeus, because Bar Timaeus, Bar means son of Timaeus. Bar Timaeus, the son of Timaeus. When Timaeus, baby, they bring him, you have a son, congratulations Timaeus. He wants to know, he's got to know, like, my, 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 I got a son, I got a boy, tell me, please tell me, Kenny, Kenny, we're sorry, we're sorry, Mr. Timaeus. Like you, he has the same, he has the same defect, he has the same genetic disposition, he is also blind. He doesn't even bother naming the kid. You got to name the kid, what's the point? I'm a beggar, he's going to be a beggar his whole life, there's no point. So he was known as the son of Timaeus. They didn't even name him. Blind Bartimaeus. So he's a beggar. He's a beggar without any sight and his papa didn't even bother naming him. Talk about low self-image. So he stands in front of Jesus and he acknowledges that Jesus is the Mashiach, the Messiah. Jesus, thou son of David. I want you to watch this because this is going to mess your head up and you're going to think that I'm a blasphemous preacher and I enjoy it. <laughs> Jesus is almighty God. Spoiler alert. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is the one who created everything. Nothing was made by him that was not made, everything was made by him, for him, and through him. Everything is held together by him. The word, he is the word become flesh. It's him. It's him. He to he man. And he stands now, and they bring a blind beggar. He's over here. Oh, sorry. Watch this posture. The almighty God of the universe... The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who sits on a throne and when he looks to his left and looks to his right, there is none other. He, he, he sits in unapproachable light. And this man says to a beggar, no name, no title, no posture, no position, can do nothing for him. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? I thought kings have subjects. I thought kings have slaves that do their bidding. This one, your king, your God, puts himself in the posture of, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? I know what you, I know what you need. You're so close. You recognize that I'm Jesus' son of, you're so close. 
move into the place where you go from need to faith. Because Hebrews 11 says, by faith they overcome, by faith the dead were raised back to life. By faith Moses part of the Red Sea by faith he commanded Pharaoh by faith Sarah though the deadness of her womb and the death gave birth to Isaac by faith Isaac by faith Jacob by faith Samson by faith Gideon by faith Joshua by it's by faith it's by faith it's by faith it's by faith God wants to move you how does faith come faith cometh by hearing hearing by the word of God how does that happen I'm glad you asked so God has God has positioned himself as a as a response God a response, God, means this, that, that, that all the promises, the Bible says all the promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Well, then hang on, pastor. If all the promises are yes and amen, how come I'm not walking in the promises? Great question. I'm so glad you asked that. You're so smart. Because every promise is preceded by a premise. Every promise has a premise. For example, 2, 2 Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who were called by my name, if they will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and then I will heal them and I will restore their land. But that there's an if, there's a promise, but before the promise there's an if, which is a premise. The Bible says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. So we find all the way through the Bible, there's this, there's this pattern God has positioned. He is not... He is not so sovereign that he has predetermined everything and you have no room. God says to a guy called Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach against it. It's sin and its cry has come up to me. Jonah doesn't want to go. So he decides he's going the other way. But God has wonderful powers of persuasion. God never forces him. God just has wonderful powers of persuasion. He gets Jonah to the place where he's like, I choose your will for my life. He ends up in Nineveh. When he gets to Nineveh, he preaches. And the Bible says that this man just, blah, just spat out of a belly's whale. He's been in there for three days and three nights. So he's a little bleached, little pongy. He comes walking up the beach, you know, with seaweed in his hair and, you know, digestive juices of a whale, you know, bleaching his clothing. He doesn't smell too good. But he preaches yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Bible says when the king of Nineveh heard this and they said there's a crazy guy who stinks of whale intestine. He was almost digested by he's here preaching yet 40 days. The king, right down to the, the poorest person, did a fast 40 days. They fasted, put on sackcloth and ashes. And the Bible says that God relented because of their repentance. The Bible says that Jonah waited the whole 40 days to see what would happen. And when the 40th day arrived, he's like, come on, judgment. Come on, mighty smiter, smite them. And no smiting. He's like, maybe... Maybe I'm off one day, 41st day, nothing. 42nd day, no, 40. By, by the first week, he's ticked with God. And God comes to Jonah and says, oh, what's wrong with you? He's like, didn't I, didn't I tell you this? What happened? That's why I didn't want to go. I knew you. You're a God of mercy and compassion. And he says, oh, so you'd rather be theologically correct and all these people perish. You'd rather be right and an entire city, people that don't own their right hand for their left. He was a preacher, but he had no grace. He just cared more about his preaching reputation. He's preaching, you know, he wanted to be right. Because they repented, God relented. Calvinism doesn't believe that man, man is so fallen, so corrupt that man cannot, God has already predetermined it, it's a load of rubbish. The Bible, verse after verse, to Abraham, because, because, because you have done this, because you have not withheld from me your only blessing, I will bless you, because you, I want you to know you can move God. Truth Bombs, that's the name of the series. I want you to know you can move God towards you. Ezekiel 8, God takes Ezekiel into the temple. And he 
peels, he gets him to dig into the wall and he, when he peels back behind the wall, he sees all these idols and these images that the priests have made that they secretly worship. And then he says to Ezekiel, he says, son of man, son of man, do you see what the, the priests, you see, see their idols? Can you see the, the images that they have set up to drive me far from the temple? God is as close or as far as you determine from your life. I want you to know that not everything is predestined and preordained and God is sovereign and He sets things up. But I want you to know that when you repent, God relents. When you draw near, God draws near. When you obey, God releases things over your life. God is a responsive God. Second point, now that the keys are up there, Second point is your perception of God determines your experience of God. What does that mean? See, Jesus was in Mark chapter 6 called the carpenter's son. Just four chapters earlier, they called him the carpenter's son. And the Bible says that Jesus went to his hometown Nazareth and he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. And the commentary was, hang on, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. Isn't this the carpenter's son? I know his brothers and sisters, and they were offended at him, and Jesus could do no mighty work there. So they knew Jesus was the carpenter's son. They knew that Jesus was a rabbi. They knew that, but not, not blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus knew that Jesus was the Messiah. What's the difference between the Messiah and a prophet? The prophets could raise the dead. The prophets could bring the word of the Lord. Jesus would raise the dead and Jesus would bring the word of the Lord. The one distinctive difference between the prophets, whether it was Moses, whether it was Elisha, Elijah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, the one distinctive difference was that the, the Messiah would come to open the eyes of the blind. Ever since little son of Timaeus, who wasn't even given a name, was little, he wanted to know, is this condition sad? I can't believe that God is good and that this is the lot in my life. And then he began to hear, well, actually the Messiah, when he comes, he's going to open the, the hang, hang on, hang on. So, 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 there's someone coming from heaven who will open the eyes of the blind? Who, who is this one? Well, he's the Messiah. How, how will we know him? He's the son of David. He's the son of David. And so he begins to, and when he hears the rumors of the miracles, he hears the rumors of the stories, he, He's like, where's this guy from? Well, actually, funny enough, both his mother and father, the genealogies, the, the genealogies both go back to David. Both go back to David. He's the one. I, I, I just know. I just know. He's the one. Because his perception was that Jesus was the Messiah, the opening of the eyes of the blind, his experience was that. See, A.W. Tozer said this. He says, whatever comes into your mind when you think about God, that's the most important thing about you. Whatever comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. If what comes into your mind that God is cruel, that God is unjust, that He is indifferent, that He is unkind, there's a teaching that, 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 that says that God gets glory out of your suffering. That when you suffer, God gets glory. I, I, I wrote my book, Push, because I went to a hospital where a little boy had fallen into a pond and drowned. And one year earlier, in the same hospital, same ward, same bed, it was like deja vu, there was a little boy who was also on life support and the doctor said he's brain dead, there's no activity in his brain, no activity in his heart. And uh, we just felt like it wasn't over. So we said, let us fill the, the hospital room with, with worship and let's pray right at the moment that they unplug the machines. And they're like, yeah, well, he'll flatline and you know, then we'll organize the, you know, the coffin and the burial. Well, sure enough, we've got worship playing. And as they unplug the machine, sure enough, beep, beep, beep. But we're shabrada reggae de bosototo yarama rabara matikiti yaramaramas. Beep, beep, beep. And the doctors, Nurses frantic, running in and out, 
they're coming in. That is everything. Un everything is unplugged. No, this is this. No, no, he's not. He's he'll 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 never he'll never he'll never open his eyes. He's going to be in a. Then he, the next day he opened his eyes. Well, you know, he 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 his eyes were open, but he can't can't see. Then he's following people around the room. Well, you know, he's he's you know he it's he, he'll never talk. He'll never talk. Mama, mama. The next day then they're like, okay. Well, he'll never he, from the neck down. He'll and he starts moving his fingers. Well, you know, from the waist down. Then he starts moving his legs. Well, he'll never get out. He got out of the hospital. He'll never be. One year later, I'm in the same hospital, same ward, but a family from our church who used to go to a, a, a Calvinist church said, oh, could you come, Pastor? You know, it's deja vu. I walk into the same hospital, same ward, same room. And I'm like, oh my, and I said, God, what do you want me to do? And all the people are weeping and wailing, weeping and wailing. And God says, they're full of unbelief. Put them outside and I'll raise a little boy up. He did it before. So I said, oh, excuse me. I said, hey, I'm with this family. Uh, they, I'm a pastor. Um, if you don't believe that God could raise this little boy up, you know, would you just, just 10 minutes, just give me 10 minutes, just in the, in the stand in the, while I, and they're like, Phew. I'm like, oh, dear God, how rude. And so I said, oh, excuse me. I'm so sorry. You probably didn't hear. Um, I'm a pastor. This little boy needs a miracle. If you don't believe, I thought, God, you're good, you're good. What about five minutes? Just five minutes. Yeah. A few of them left. And I'm like, that one, that one. Anyway, so, so I just, I'm like, oh, dear God, I, I got to get God. God's got to come into this room. So I walk into the corner of the room and he doesn't need my prayer. What he needs is a move of God. He doesn't need my prayer. So I know, I know, believe it or not, there's a little insider secret here. I know how to get God. I know it. I know. I know how to get God to turn up. Jesus says you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell and they began to speak in tongues. So I just go into the corner. I'm just... I'm just speaking in tongues. And, I, and what I do is I just speak in tongues till I feel the presence of God. I prayed for a kid that had, had a massive inoperable tumour. And uh, one of our Navy SEALs, it was one of his best friends. And they said, you know, this kid, the, the tumor is so large. It's in, it's in um, his liver, it's in his kidney, it's up in his lungs. And we can't operate because we'll have to take too much from those organs and he needs those organs. The operation would kill him. So, and the tumor is growing at an exponential rate. You know, we think even if we blast it with chemo, he's got maximum three months. So the family's so... I do the same thing. I turned up at the hospital and I just said, hey, you probably noticed my name is Jurgen. They're like, Jurgen. I said, I know it's spelled with a J, but it's pronounced. I was born in Germany. I said, would you, would you, would you be upset? Would you, is it all right if I pray in German? Is it, would you? And they're, they're, they're just like, this guy's weird. Like, is your friend? And my neighbor's still friend. He didn't know where it was going. And they said, yeah, sure, knock yourself out, pray in German. I said, oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Um, there's one more question. I'm like, what is it now? I said, um, it is going to be another language. It just might not be German. <laughs> and now they look at my friends, you know, like that. And so anyway, so I just, and I started praying. It was awkward because the nurse is looking at me. Everyone's looking at me. You just kind of feel like this is weird. Speaking in languages I never learned. It's weird. But all of a sudden, about maybe two minutes in, all of a sudden I feel... I felt power, put my hand on the little boy's back and he immediately jumps and he's like trying to push my hand away because it's burning. And the next day they, I get a phone call and my Navy SEAL friend is hysterical saying, you're not going to believe this, you're not going to believe Why you tell a pastor who prayed for you he's not going to believe something? <laughs> but I just went along with it. I said, yeah, sure, I won't believe that. And uh, he's like, the tumor Rank overnight. It was the size of a softball. It's now the size of a golf ball. It is completely detached from all the vital organs. They're going to go in this afternoon. They're going to put a little slit and pull it out. The doctors have never seen anything like this. So that little boy, I've got photos of him on my computer where he's riding quad bikes and fishing and hunting with his daddy. So now I'm in, this, in the hospital. I'm praying in tongues. As I'm praying in tongues for this little boy who's on life support, somebody grabs my arm and shakes my arm. Says, hey, you're praying in tongues. I'm like, whoa, whoa. I said, I am. He goes, the Bible says you shouldn't pray in tongues if it's an interpreter. I said, oh, actually, um, I'm not speaking to you. It's none of your beeswax. I'm talking to God. The Bible says... 
The Bible says in church you need an interpreter, otherwise how will people understand what you've said? But, you know, if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and talk to himself and to God. So when you, when you see in, when we're praying for the book of miracles, people going, well, they shouldn't. No, they're not talking to you, darling. They're talking to God. None of your beeswax. And so, so and then he says, I'm the, I'm the father. I'm the father of that boy. And if God wanted to raise him up, he would have raised him up when we pulled him out of the pond. If God wanted to raise him up, he would have raised him up when we were waiting for the ambulance. If God wanted to raise him up, he would have raised him up when we were in the ambulance. But this is God's will. This is God's will. And then his wife throws herself on the little boy and she goes, God, we don't know why you took our boy, but we know it's for your glory. What? And then the Holy Spirit, like I felt like a grief. The Holy Spirit said to me, this is why I sent you here. This is why you've come. This is how they perceive God. That God's in heaven going, Gabriel, I'm just feeling a little low today. Feeling a little low. Hey, is that a little little two-year-old near a pond? Let's push him in and drown him. Oh, oh, that's, oh. Oh, now I'm getting glory. Now I feel better. People preach this garbage. Your perception of God. Did you know another quote by A.W. Tozer? No nation or civilization has ever risen above its perception of God. Why, Why do you think the Islamic countries are so fraught with conflict and war, oppression and devastation? Because that is Allah. Allah loves shaheeds. A shaheed is someone who goes and blows themselves up, who dies as a martyr, who will put on a, put on a, a, a vest filled with shrapnel and ball bearings and go into a public place where mum, dads and little children are eating together and they'll blow themselves up because Allah requires their blood, their sacrifice, so that they can have 72 virgins and paradise. No nation or civilization has ever risen above. You know why we preach what we preach? Because the devil is a liar. The devil told Adam and Eve, you can't trust God. He's holding out on you. He said, you can't eat from that tree? Yeah, because he doesn't want you to be like him, knowing good and evil. Go ahead. Just You can't trust God. We're here to preach that God is good. He is holy. He is righteous. It is impossible for God to do evil. We want people to have a right perception of God. And I'm telling you, till my last breath, I will preach the goodness of God, the power of God. But watch this. This is, this is the crux. This is the crux. Blind Bartimaeus, when he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy, he recognizes that Jesus is the, eye, the blind eye opening Messiah. The Bible says that Jesus stopped and commanded him to be called. The Bible says that they said to him, be of good cheer, he's calling you. The Bible says in verse 50, if we can throw it up, have a look at verse 50. The Bible says, so he arose and took off his garment and threw his garment and came to Jesus. Verse 50 says, and blind Bartimaeus, the blind man arose, taking off his garment, throwing it aside, he came to Jesus. Could Jesus have healed him with his garment? 100%. The garment, the garment was just what he was wearing. Why did he take it off? Why, did, why does the Bible say he took off his garment and threw it aside? Because he wasn't just getting his sight. He wasn't just getting the Messiah to repair what was broken. He was leaving the old, going into the new. See, The garment that he wore was a government-registered garment for begging. Blind Bartimaeus, because of his disability, because of his condition, he was given welfare by the government. The welfare was here. Here's a garment that you can wear that gives you permission to beg. The ones not wearing it, they are illegal, and they'll be be like, scram, get out of here. But you're, you are a legal, you are a fully ordained, sanctioned beggar. You have government approval to beg on the best part of the street, wherever. He gets up and he's like, I'm not going back to begging. I'm no longer going to be a beggar. I'm not going to live by welfare. I'm not going to live by handouts. 
Most people would have said, when, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're getting carried away. Just, just take it with you and wait till he opens your eyes and then throw it away. No, 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 no. He's like, no, 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 no. You, you don't understand. He goes, I'm throwing it away first because I believe not just I'm going to get my sight back, but I'm going to get the life that I'm meant to have back. I believe that God is not just a God that restores sight and vision. I believe that he transforms lives. Do you know that when, 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 when if, if you're an addict and you slip back, quite often, this is what I've discovered, it's because we didn't delete that one one number of that one dealer and we just thought ah oh, I just I just I just hang on to that contact just in case I go through a rough patch just in case I go through a difficult day I'm gonna have I got delivered from pornography and I got rid of all the magazines and it's all gone what do you mean that well yeah there's, there's that one file on my computer but just in case we go you know in marriage sometimes just you got to burn the ships you got to burn the ships burn the ships you got to learn from Hernan Cortez when Hernan Cortez came to the new world 600 men get off the ship and when they see the the Aztec empire and its magnitude and it's and and they he realized they were outnumbered so he turns to his general and says burn the ships he's like come again he's like burn the ships he's like burn the ships that's our only retreat exactly because if the men see the battle is fierce and if the men see that they are outnumbered it's going to be too easy for them to go back to the old it's going to be too easy we got to burn the ships we got to burn the bridges you got to throw away the parachute you listen to me your breakthrough is determined by your break from your breakthrough Blind Bartimaeus says, I'm breaking from the government. I'm breaking from dependency. I'm breaking from the addiction. I'm breaking from the disability. I'm coming to Jesus. I'm laying it all out. Jesus, I need you not just to open my eyes, but I'm not going back to begging. I'm not going back. And the Bible says when Jesus healed him, he followed Jesus on the road. He became a disciple of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's give Lord, the Lord a great praise. Come on, let's give him a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't you lift your hands to heaven? I'm one minute over. Oh, dear Jesus, lift your hands high. Say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your power that it flows towards faith. Heavenly Father, today, even though I have needs, Lord, I ask you, I want you to move in my heart. I don't want to go back to how I used to be. I want to walk in how you want me to be. I want to be a servant of God. I want to prosper. I want to flourish. I want to be healed, delivered, transformed, set free. I want to be a shining light of your goodness, a beacon of hope in a city that is without hope, that is destitute and broken. Help me be a light in the darkness. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, would you give the Lord a great praise? Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.